My name is Rich Mascaloni. I was in Ponape with Alyssa. And um, I taught primarily high school, well, only high school. I taught English and Bible. And so um, I'm just going to share one experience, start off one experience I faced. Um, it was 9 o'clock, the day before the first day of school. I was sweaty, tired, hungry, hadn't had dinner yet, just came from meeting a bunch of Filipino guys living on the island, and together we just played basketball for an hour or so. I was viciously fouled <laughs> as being about a foot taller than everyone there. <laughs> um, so I was a little bruised too, and so I just got out of the shower, and I dried off, but I was still wet. I'm pretty sure it's around 100% humidity over there. <laughs> so I was like, what? But um, then I hear a bunch of ruckus, a bunch of noise downstairs in the center of campus. We lived on a campus compound that was pretty much entirely, these are Alyssa's pictures right now, but I have some too. But these are entirely just, all the apartments are there, everyone's there. And in the middle, I just heard all this noise. And I looked out, and you can hear everything because there's no air conditioning. Open windows so the air can flow in. And I was wondering, you know, what's happening? What's going on? And one of the guys I was rooming with came up and said, hey, the principal's, um, principal's niece is hurt, and she's in the hospital, and she needs blood. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> like, okay, so how many people are going? You know, how many people are going? What does she need? They didn't know her blood type. I didn't know my blood type. And a lot, most of the guys had already left, and one more truck was going to go. And so I was pretty much left with a choice. I could stay, and it'd probably be okay. Or I could go just in case I was needed. I was, my foot, one foot was literally out the door and the other was literally inside. I'm tired. I'm going to teach tomorrow. I have every excuse in the book to not go. But I felt the Spirit pull me. And I went. I'll finish the story in a little bit. Let's open our Bibles if you have them to um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36. Well, we're going to start with not for, yeah, 36 through 38. I'll start with verse 35. Just some context. Jesus was performing a ministry of healing. And as we, read, as we heard earlier today, if you've been here at GYC, Jesus' main mode wasn't just going and doing everything himself, but instead involving as many people as possible. But he wanted to heal. He wanted to restore. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, we're previously told that Jesus came to heal that which was broken. And so that's why in verse 35 we read, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's break this down. Why is Jesus telling them the harvest is plenty? What is this harvest? What is he talking about? 
Souls to be won, clearly. But the question is, why doesn't Jesus just do it? He's right there. He sees the great need. But instead, he says to them, there is great need. Pray that, someone, that God sends someone. Is it possible he wanted them to do it? These people, let's look back to the verse describing them, their condition. He saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They're harassed and helpless, and they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. They have no one to guide them. What's a shepherd's work like? Does the shepherd just sit in an office? No, the shepherd is there, personally guiding them, making sure they have everything they need. Just as a shepherd is needed for sheep, the same is for people who need to be led to Jesus. They're lost. They wouldn't find him on their own. It's not like it's their fault. I'm sure each of us has been lost before. I'm sure each of us has been need, been, had the need to have Jesus shown to them. And something else was shown to us as well. Many people may t- this weekend have felt the call, heard it, understood that Jesus is calling them to ministry, but just like me in that doorway, you could be saying, oh, I'm probably, he doesn't need me though. There's certainly enough. The need's probably not that great. But here Jesus says the opposite. He says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. They're not enough. So I walked out the door. I ran down the stairs in the dark. I ran to the last vehicle and said, okay, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And so we drove through roads that would later become very familiar to me into the hospital where um, we immediately found out that they, she needed three pints of blood, three units. I don't know if that's actually pints or not. Don't quote me. I'm not a nursing major. So. But, um, and she needed B positive. So we all got our blood types tested, and I prayed. I said, Lord, please let there be at least three people. I didn't know her condition. I didn't know if she would survive without it. And we waited for a grueling half an hour. After this half an hour period, we found out exactly three people were there that had to be positive blood. And I was one of them. It's so easy for us to underestimate our own influence. It's so easy, easy for us to say, you know, because I've gone through hard times before, because I'm not perfect, I must not be that important. But the reality is it's because of your past sufferings, because of your past failures, because of your story that you are needed. Because you can go to people and show them how Jesus has worked in you to bring them through what, bring them through what they're experiencing then. I had the opportunity in Pontepe. Once I got there, it was so clear to me that it was God's will. I would teach kids that struggled through anger like I struggled through, that didn't have a positive father figure like I do. Nothing is my father, but he's not perfect. He's not Adventist, um, which doesn't mean he's a horrible dad, but I didn't have someone to teach me through my anger. But because I was there, my kids did. 
So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you? What are you to do today? The reality is this. Jesus needs you because they need you. Who are they? They could be the person next to you in church. They could be the person next to you in class. They can be the person behind you in the traffic light. They can be the person that cut you off in the traffic light. They can be the person at Publix or Walmart. They could be the person, your students next year if you're an SM. They could be anyone, anywhere. But the one way to know is to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers, and to start by saying, Lord, send me. The word for send here is ekbalo, to send out, to expose. And it can be a far away long shot, as Derek Morris explained in one sermon, or it can be a slam dunk right where you are right now. My challenge for you today is not necessarily a sign to be an SM, even though you should pray about it. It's not necessarily to sell everything you have if you already have a family and go abroad, but instead to ask God how he could use you each morning before you start the day and to look for the helpless, to look for those without the shepherd and show them your shepherd. He needs you because they need you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you because of the amazing love you have for each of us and that you have called us to do a work that you can complete through us. I thank you that you love us and you love those that are lost and need you. Please use us and please, Lord, Send out harvesters and start with us. Amen. All right, at this time, we're going to open up the floor to any questions, and Alyssa and I are going to attempt to give you guys answers. And so these can be questions about anything, whether it be abroad missions, it can be stuff here, um, about our missions program. So feel free. Good question. Good question. The question was, do you have to be an upperclassman in order to go out as a student missionary? The answer is no. Alyssa works at the missions office, so she can answer this question a little better than me. No, you don't have to go. Um, you can choose to go whenever you want. And so we've had freshmen go out, like before even their freshman year here at college whenever you want to go out, so. Yes. Good question. He asked if we were, uh, felt like we were equipped to do this before we went, and we can each give our answer. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So we had the Hawaii orientation, which was three days of 
just giving us tools, how to lesson plan, that sort of thing. But I don't think that you can actually really know what you're doing until you actually step into it. And it was really trial and error for me. But they they tried to prepare us as best as we can. But just like in life, life experiences teach you the best lessons. And that's what happened for me, too. Similar with Alyssa. Um, yes and no. Like I've just, God's led me on the ledge kind of like that before. Or it seems like he's leading you on a ledge when really he's leading you to something fantastic. Um, and I felt kind of like that because I know I'm not an education major. Um, when I accepted the call to teach in Panape, it's because it was Bible teaching and I wanted to preach. I told God I didn't want to teach, but then I went to anyway. And I'm so glad I did. But we got the training in Hawaii and I was still wasn't very sure. And I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be feel like you can do it. I'm glad I didn't because I don't think I would have sought God as in prayer in that matter nearly as much. And um, but at the same time, it's powerful because he will equip you when you need it as you go along. And I think the scariest moments are when you think you have it under control. You probably don't. <laughs> Just from past experience. But I'm um, over here. led me for me I just um, I'm starting to be a pastor I'm a theology major and so for me I'm going into ministry to serve people and I felt like my education was all about that but that I just realized my freshman year I need to take a break and go actually do it go where for a full year I'm not there for me at all. This isn't going to help my education. Conferences, conferences may or may not like it when I get hired, when I'm going to get hired. But I just knew that I felt I felt this impression from God that this would prepare me deeply to minister for the rest of my life. I wanted to stop, take a look back, and focus on what I went. Um, I'm going to ministry to focus on people. So I wanted to really learn to serve in a practical way, not just in the classroom, which ironically I kind of did just <clears throat> opposite roles. Okay, so like I said, there wasn't like a big moment of you can go be an SM, you should do it, you should do it. It was more of just like a quiet, like you should be an SM. I had heard some of my close friends who went out and listening to their stories and their testimonies, it kind of just planted that seed. And I was also in Life and Teachings of Jesus, the class, and that class it just goes through Jesus's life on earth and so it just kind of like planted another seed like okay this is what Jesus spent his time doing so I really wanted to spend my time doing the same thing yeah no we have the question was do you have to go to southern to go on these trips and we have a bunch of different universities also go like we had Walla Walla went to with us but um, you can go through the organization said he said go and you can look up calls it doesn't matter what age you are so no you don't have to go through the university but 
you can come in the office and talk to us and we can help you plan your trip. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, like Alyssa said, you don't even need to be going to an Adventist university to be able, um, any and everyone. Um, there was even a kid who hadn't even gone to high school yet that um, we met in Honolulu. I forget which island he went to, but he served as well. The Van Blargans as well, um, our friends who served there with us, they, all three of them, brothers and sister, go to a public school in California. And one of them is actually getting his master's here now, our friend Witt. So, yeah, you can, if you feel called, let people, go to, he said, go.org or .net. Check it out. And if you're in this area, come to the office. Talk to Julie Norton. She'll make it happen. She would love to get to help you answer your, your calling from God. Any other questions? Are there any financial Okay, so the question was about the financial setup for the missions program. A question was about stipends, um, fundraising, um, tuition costs, et cetera, et cetera. Again, here you go, Alyssa. Okay, so our trip cost about $3,000, which we had to raise. And so we were provided with a bunch of letters to send out, and I sent a bunch of letters to my church family and my family members, and I remember getting um, the updates of people donating, and I just realized that if you ask, people are so willing to donate that they paid my whole trip there, and so I got to go and um, have them support me. Also, if you don't feel like you have a big support system like that, the office really wants you guys to go serve anyone, and so they're very willing to help you um, figure out a plan and stuff like that. And then when we were on that island, we got about $110 every two weeks, so that's what we live on. And over there, the food is really expensive, so I know that all of my money went to food. <laughs> So the question was, how does it go? Like, how? what do you do if you have loans, um, student loans you don't want to go to default on, pretty much, um, when you are not going to school but serving? And the answer is this. Southern Adventist University provides a class in which you are enrolled when you're serving as a missionary that will end up in 12 credit hours throughout the year. I go to school from student loans, and so that class gave me 12 credit hours for the year. You had to, and it was very cool because as a part of the class, we have orientation, the second half of the second semester, where we have we go and there's a class and we hear testimonies from other SMs and advice and things they they said they wish they knew and they tell us and there's that aspect. Additionally, every month while we're serving, we write journals, describing our experience. And honestly, I was so grateful for that 
because now I have logs of how I felt and what I went through, what was challenging for me, what I learned. And there's also a final paper we're due, which is a sent near the end of the year, which is essentially a summation of all the journals. And so, yes, there's a class, an awesome class. <laughs> one of my favorite classes. And um, you do work for it. It gives you credit. That way, for the one year, for the any time, whether it can be, you can go from six to 12 months and um, with this program. And from that, if you want to extend, you can go into the AVS2 program after that. So um, there's the, the Un Southern Adventist University makes it very easy and doable for you to answer God's call and still be able to come back and continue your education. Any other questions? They can be missions related, they don't have to be. Yes, in the back. Question, does Southern um, send more missionaries than any other Adventist university? I can't say yes or no to that question, but we do have a big mission program. We send out about 80 missionaries every year. All right, a big question. <laughs> what was culture shock? What are the cultural differences going there? What, any culture shock or reverse culture shock? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, I'll describe just one piece of culture so at least Alyssa will have something to share. But um, for me, going in, it's um, very quiet people. If there's a problem, it's um it's not handled the way like we would as Americans handle it. It's just um it's the emphasis is on pe relationships with people. To where, for example, maybe you um if I'm inconven was inconvenienced the principal in any way, he usually wouldn't let me know. Even if it was like causing him tons of time in his day, he wouldn't let me know just out of respect for our relationship. Even though I was causing him an in inconvenience, he wouldn't say it. Just out of respect for me. And so you had to figure out if you were inconveniencing someone. <laughs> so you wouldn't do it. So that was a difference. Um, All right, so he did one going to there. I'll do one coming back. I've been having a lot of culture shock. Like, there, there's music in cars. Like, there's seatbelts, we wear seatbelts, <laughs> and <laughs> just like that sort of thing. Like, I remember going to the mall in Hawaii on our way back and just seeing how many people there were, and everyone had cell phones out, and they were eating in the food court, but looking at their cell phones, and like, I was with my other missionary friends, and we were kind of just like, what? Like, where's the relationships? Like, why aren't they talking to each other? And so just a lot of the busyness that we have here is, I, I think that I experience more culture shock coming back into America than going there. I agree. Definitely that. And the time thing, too. Island time over there. If there was a, let's say, there was always like a big meal, like 
and coming in and leaving. And when we were coming in, the meal was supposed to start at 6, and we, everyone was in, and the opening prayer was at 9.15. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> by the time, so like, but at 6, we were all supposed to be there as SMs, but eventually, on the way out for the exit, for the last meal, we all, we all learned better, so we, we showed up a little bit later. <laughs> That's just an example. So any other questions? This will be our last two or so. What was Alyssa's major before she left? <laughs> My major was corporate wellness. I had only had about a semester of classes in that, though, because I actually was education, but I wasn't sure that spending all day with kids was my passion. But after spending all day with kids, I realized, yes, it was my passion. So <laughs> I changed back. Awesome. Any other questions? Last question. So what are the changes that we have in our life after we have been student missionaries? That's a deep question. <laughs> um, well, for me, I know that mission work became my passion. And so I don't just want to teach children. I, I would love to go back out and be in the field. And so uh, that really... Um, changed my life in that way because it gave me a passion for not only teaching but mission work as well. For me, um, I went there in a relationship and that relationship ended within a month So uh, of me being there. And so that was over a year of, of a relationship and then psh, over and so I just had this deep sense of sometimes, even though it wasn't really legitimate, I had people to talk to, but I just felt isolated. And so with that, I turned to God more than I ever have in my life. And so I come back a different person, a changed person. What, I, what I'm looking for in my life, even though I'm still theology, it's so much more different. <laughs> like I walk around thinking different things, different objectives, how I view my time is different, how I treat my time is different, my health habits are different, my sleep patterns are different, um, what I spend my time doing, they're all different than before. So I feel like God has just shown me to follow his ways more closely. Can I add on? Yes. <laughs> okay, that reminded me too, like, just doing something like this, I would have never done it. And so just being a lot more open to God's call and opportunities that arise. I know that for me, I asked God, God to use me at Southern so that I could still be a witness to others, but I didn't know how he was going to do that, and I didn't think that it was going to be in front of people, like up front or anything, um, but just like reflecting back on what has already happened to me since I've been back, like God has really been answering my prayers. And so just an encouragement to you guys 
God does answer prayers and be careful of what you ask because he will give it to you if it is in his desire. Awesome. So thank you with that. We're going to close. Let's just pray another time. If that's all right with everyone, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the amazing opportunities that are now available. The opportunities you provide the moment we step out this door, on the street, in the grocery stores, as we walk this world. The opportunities you're providing long-term or short-term. I thank you for calling us apart and providing a special work for us to do in these ages. I thank you that this work changes us, transforms us, and that through this work, you work in lives and transform people. Thank you. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.